and welcome once again to The Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. I am your host, Patrick, and with me is my brother and co-host, Jordan. Me. Hello. And we uh, here at The Dive are always on the hunt for good or at least interesting movies on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, each month or so, uh, Jordan and I pick a film from one of our collections to watch and talk about with you guys here on The Dive. And that's what we've done uh, tonight. Uh, this was no a movie. Surprise. Yeah, this is a movie from, from your collection that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, a movie that we'd both seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd only seen it once. I think I've only seen it twice. Yeah, I saw it when it first came out about over 10 years ago now. Hard mm-hmm. to believe. I remember seeing it in the theaters. Yeah. So um, let's uh, end the preamble, uh, play the trailer, and we'll uh, come right back to talk with you guys about this epic film. As you have heard, the film under discussion on tonight's episode is Watchmen. This is a 2009 film directed by Zack Snyder and adapted from the Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons graphic novel. Uh, Not to be confused with the Watchmen television series, which has garnered quite a bit of acclaim, 
Uh, Definitely shouldn't confuse it with that because I haven't seen it. Exactly, and I was going to say, which we will not be talking about here tonight because neither one of us has seen it. <laughs> so I've heard good things. So as of this recording, that that show is probably something you are all much more interested in uh, than this I thought about that tie-in film. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, almost like as I was driving over here, I was like, oh, wait, there's a TV show. Yeah, so that's so Watchmen, is, it remains kind of in the yep. cultural zeitgeist. Um, I know... Um, even DC Comics is is much to Alan Moore's chagrin, doing a lot with the the characters still. Um, do you know how Alan Moore? I know he's a bit of a grump, but do you know how he likes it? Does is it one of his? Oh, I'm sure he or? hasn't seen any of this stuff. No, I don't mean the movie. I mean oh, like his work. Yeah. I think he I think he probably feels good, pretty good about Watchmen. I okay. think yeah, I think so. Everything I've I've, I've read. heard maybe one or two interviews with him. I can't remember where he came. Yeah, I, I, I know I, he's like Stephen King with The Shining. I would imagine Watchmen. Are you talking about how he feels about his own work, his comic book? Or I was about curious if he liked his own comic. His oh own yeah, story. I I, I, I wonder if like fans come up to him and talk about Watchmen, and he's like, "Oh, I don't care about that." No, I, I think he. Um, well, first, I think he he avoids fans. He doesn't yeah. go to conventions or anything, but. Um, uh, we're already off on a tangent. <laughs> I was just talking uh, with Jordan before we started this about how I didn't want to go too much into source material just because I don't think that's always the best way to approach yeah. movies. I think but it's interesting, in this though, case, this one, yeah. I do think it's particularly interesting. But no, I would um, I would have to look and see what Moore said specifically about Watchmen recently. Um, I suspect his evaluation of it is about the same as mine, which is it's maybe kind of in the top middle of his his stuff. Um, and I think he, he definitely probably would like people to have acknowledged what it accomplished and move on, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> Watchmen was supposed to be kind of a final word in superhero comics mm-hmm. um, and not a model uh, for how they should be done, but it sort of became that. Um, but... Anyway, so twenty years after it ended, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's bring it back uh, to the movie if we can. Enter Zack Snyder. Enter Zack Snyder. That's right. So, um, my uh, recollection of this movie was that uh, the hype around this movie mm-hmm. was really intense, both in the world of like nerddom comics back when that was still sort of separate from mainstream and pop kind culture. Of fake nerddom too. Yeah, the well, and, and just mainstream culture in general. So I, I was going to comic book conventions at the time. I mean, literally everyone was wearing the Watchmen t-shirts. Yeah. Um, they reissued the graphic novel. Yeah, the graphic. I was working in a bookstore at the time. The graphic novel was everywhere. It was a rare case of the film actually really affecting sales of the comic book source material, which mm-hmm. hardly ever happens. You know, these Marvel movies are... Really? You don't think those Marvel movies are... Not much. Themselves? Not much. Think. No. No. Most people who are in the Marvel movies... I guess it's probably the other way around. Yeah, most people who are in the Marvel movies are like, the movies are enough. We don't got to yeah. be reading the comics. So they probably move the needle a little bit, but not much. Uh, but that's, Watchmen... That's really odd, given like... Because when I was watching this, it's like, this does not seem like a movie that would be released to the mass public, you know? No, it doesn't. It was like a blo- summer blockbuster movie, you know? Every aspect of it seemed like it went kind of against the yeah, uh, I which like I kind of like about it. I do, too. I feel like there's a lot to say here. I, I kind of feel like the perception of this movie and the expectations of this movie 
are almost more interesting than the film itself, but mm-hmm. I think the film itself is pretty interesting. So, um, but yeah, that was my impression that the hype around this movie leading up to it was intense. This was set to be kind of the next level in superhero films, which mm-hmm. are already roll- well in rolling at that at that point. Um, and then the, when the movie came out, all that hype just kind of evaporated. It wasn't that it was seen as, like, a complete bomb, um, but you kind of got the sense that people didn't really like it that much, and it just seemed like everybody very quickly moved on. That's what I mean about, like, the mass appeal of it. I think, like, all the Poser fans went to see it because you're supposed to see it, and then they watch it, and they're like, this is not what I want out of a superhero movie. Right. Because that's what I read um, when you were explaining that to me. It's like it had a big opening weekend, and then... It totally dropped off. That really makes Afterwards. sense to me. Like, yeah. I could see that. It's like the marketing worked up to a certain point, and then it just failed. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and theories about, like, why Watchmen, one, was so hyped, and two, maybe didn't connect with audiences, because I do think it's a good film. I can film. tell you why it didn't connect with well, audiences. Well, let's, um, let's, let's talk about the movie itself, and then we'll... Um, get into how people reacted to it, the reception of it, the the um, kind of uh, reputation of the film. Uh, ten years on. Uh, if it has a reputation at all, like I said, it, it seems like people have kind of moved on to other iterations of Watchmen. But um, so, what did you think of this movie? What did you What did you remember having thought of it ten years ago? And what was your take when we just rewatched it? <laughs> it's recently? very. I'm very mixed on it. Okay. I like a lot of parts of it. I also don't like a lot of it. Okay. Well, let's start with the good. <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder is a good director. He's very talented in that aspect. Something of a controversial statement. I think. These days. <laughs> so he was hot off of 300. 300. Um, so he was on, his star was very much on the yeah. rise. Um, and he and, had done Dawn of the Dead before that. Yep. And this was uh, probably the first movie that people didn't completely love, but I mean, it, it still was a, a big mainstream film. Um, and then he moved on to, uh, I know he did Sucker Punch, but he moved on to mm-hmm. his work with the uh, the first of the DC Universe movies. Yeah. And that's kind of when, you know, there started to be some anti-Zack Snyder sentiments, especially yeah. with Batman versus So Superman. with his directing style, I think it like it keeps you interested, at least. It keeps you engaged with the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue, of course, is great. I mean, it's just ripped right out of the comic. Yeah. So you kind of get what you want out of that. Um, but it's not like... Um, I was going to look and see why this came in comparison to Sin City. Because it really reminds me of... Sin it was City. definitely later. Sin City is the other one I think of that works as as, like being a direct adaptation of the exact comic book. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, like, there are certain ones that work with a visual style. Watchmen I don't necessarily see as, like, a visual, um, like, expressive. Even though Dave Gibbons stuff is good, but he's more of, like, a realistic. You're 100% correct. I. Um, but that's why I think Zack Snyder added to the mix makes it kind of an interesting Yeah, movie. it's kind of the wrong aesthetic yeah. for the book. But it yeah, it's kind of it the creates big, the kind big of dumb a, fight. Yeah, it, mixed in with it kind of creates an interesting tension. It's yeah. kind of like when Rob Zombie adapted John Carpenter's Halloween. It's yeah. kind of like it's that's the wrong style to so adapt it's mo- to it's that more material, than just but it listening, ends up being interesting. It's more than just like listening to stage direction and dialogue and people just standing in rooms 
talking. Which, like, which really is what the, the graphic comic novel is. is not necessarily that. Like it's interesting. No, it's it, a very interesting. Story. You're, you're right. When you describe uh, Dave Gibbons' art style as as not being like let's say visually dynamic yeah. in the traditional sense that you would think of. Well, but the you're story is about correct. superheroes in the real world. Exactly, and that's deliberate. I heard somebody very recently describe Dave Gibbons as having an anti-style, and it wasn't a negative. They, w- they were complimenting him. Uh-huh. Um, but, but yeah, his artwork is, is very incredibly accomplished, incredibly controlled, but very restrained. It's good in the way it's where it doesn't the, stand out. Yeah, it's not the kind of flashy, dynamic... Um, dramatic it's not jack kirby Mm. um whereas if you saw this movie you would probably assume that the visual style of the graphic novel was a little bit more right jack kirby right you know so i think filtered through Zack snyder's lens it's it looks it makes it for a more interesting ride of a movie yeah it's too long (laughs) i i just i got so antsy with it like okay um, I, and I don't know what you can cut out of it because that's why I thought it would work better as like the TV series. Yeah, I haven't seen, but yeah, I could see how that would work better as the medium. Like, it, it's a really good story, but I was trying to think of what they could kind of trim and cut out of it because it seems like it just seems like too big of a meal to like consume all at once. It's well, let me interject here too because I, I feel like I have a lot to say about this movie. Um, one thing to remember about Watchmen, which even I have to remind myself the of. The comic or the movie? The, com- the, the comic book. We're not going to be able to get away from it, so yeah. I'm just going to give up. Um, you know, everyone, including me in the introduction, calls Watchmen a graphic novel. But Watchmen was oh, released yeah, it was as a issues. series, yeah. you know? And and it was and this was at a time when it was I forgot about that. It was like a 12-part. 12-issue series. And it, it wasn't assumed at that, this time that everything would be collected. Was, wasn't it each it was an hour leading up to midnight? Oh, maybe. They were like 12? I, I think it I was. I if that was part of the I spectrum. think each issue... There's, the a lot, there's a lot of complex things going on structurally yeah. with the comic book. I seem to remember like each issue, the clock yeah. moves forward. But, but I think that's part of what makes it seem kind of like it, it works better as a series because well, it is a series, you know? Right. And if you do... Yeah, a, it did seem kind of like it was yeah. start and stop. And if you do a very literal adaptation of it, of that, it's going to kind of have that structure. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hold together as your traditional kind of three-act structure like a film. Even though right. there is a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. um, you have a lot of digressions. Every character kind of gets their own chapter, their own origin story, their yeah. own arc. It really is more like like a series or like a novel, you know. And more the, like a graphic well, novel? Well, and there's, <laughs> there's a reason that, you know, novels are adapted into screenplays. There's a reason you don't just film every right, scene right. in a novel. Yeah, that's why I was thinking about Sin City, because it's like Sin City is pretty much exactly that, but I think that one still works, too. Mm-hmm. But that's the only example I can think of where it's like literally just transcribe the movie <laughs> right. and watch it up on the screen. Normally, I would think that's kind of boring. Um, and it probably would have been if you kind of filmed it the exact same way that the Watchmen comic was. So, I don't know. I like that part. I like the, uh, the cast. I think it's a really inspired cast. Mm-hmm. People you wouldn't normally think to pick who are really good in it. Yeah. They nailed a couple of the choices here, I yeah. think. Jackie Earl Haley, yep. Patrick Wilson, and um, what's her name? Malin Ackerman, the girl. Oh, you liked her? I thought she was... I mean, I think it was, like, an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. And Billy Crudup as uh, Dr. Man. Yeah, Billy... I thought those are all, like... Billy Crudup was one of my favorite Not who you would ever pick for it, or mm-hmm. even think that they would pick for it, but then you, after you see the movie, you couldn't picture it being anybody else. Yeah. 
So I like that part of it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few like key scenes that I love, like with Doctor Manhattan's origin sequence is probably the best part of that movie, where he gets locked in his chamber and mm-hmm. he reappears. Like I just love how it's told like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of the most comic booky parts of the movie. Yes. It's like oh, okay, we've seen this kind of thing yes. before, like that lab accident, the scientist. Yeah. 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 Um, th- yeah. There's a few other things like right out of the comic book that are well filmed, but I guess like there's too much of it. I, I kept thinking it's just like a big, really big meal. Like after you're done, you're just like, man, I'm stuffed. Like I don't, knew, I want to see any more Watchmen for a while. <laughs> Not a, that I thought it was bad. I actually think it's a, kind of a good movie. I think it's, it's a pretty bit, good. It's a bit much. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a pretty good adaptation. As good as you could probably get a, to be a Watchmen movie, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I like Zack Snyder more than most people like him, though. So. Uh huh. I feel like I kind of make apologies for him. You're a Zack Snyder apologist. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll admit when his stuff sucks too. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah I I kind of with you with Zack Snyder. I kind of put him in the camp of um, again to bring up Rob Zombie and, and mm-hmm. a film filmmaker who has a sensibility that I really like. Um, Funny because he uses the same music supervisor, Tyler Bates, that uh, oh, I can Rob kinda, Zombie used. I can kind of tell. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the part that I didn't like. The soundtrack is very disturbing. I would imagine a lot of people are on the same page yeah. with you on that one. Um, but he also did the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy, too. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So he's not, he doesn't take a subtle approach. <laughs> no, no, he's very, <laughs> he's very uh, front and center. Okay. So what what do you really not like, other than it just being kind of long and too much? Oh my god, <laughs> I feel almost like it's kind of like a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music was pretty abrasive; Kay. like it really takes you out of it. Hmm. You didn't think any um, of the choices worked. How would you describe uh, the soundtrack to this? Because I was trying to think. It's very m- main recognizable mainstream hits from yeah. the mostly seventies. Um, but it's different versions of there. It's like covers of, it's like eighties cover versions of seventies. Uh huh. Kind of, so. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I wasn't really digging it. But okay. <laughs> yeah, and the music is very much a presence in in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's too like on the nose. Like, yeah, right, that's that's right fair. there. That is fair. Um, and I know even doesn't the graphic novel use like lyrics from. Probably. I remember it ending with like some Bob Dylan lyrics or something. I'm sure that there are the there's Bob Dylan is in there. I think so. It's kind yeah. of part of a theme of the movie, but yeah, that really took me out of it. Um, I think the tone is very strange. Even mm-hmm. though I kind of I like it mm-hmm. that it's able to kind of go anywhere, mm-hmm. so it kind of keeps you on guard. You don't know. I mean, that's what I mean about not being a mass appeal movie. I mean, it's about it's an odd film. <laughs> rape. There's a guy like buzzsawing guy's arms off, right. and it's not presented in like a comic book type of way. It's right. pre- presented like the violence is in the graphic novel, right. where it's just like straight ahead. Because right. that's what I remember about the graphic novel too is it's really violent, right. especially Rorschach's. Books. Right. Uh, so that would kind of throw me out of it a little bit because you're trying to. I don't know if it all fit together very well. Yeah. Well, and I I wonder if that's like, where like transcribing it. Exactly as it is in the comic book, it kind of maybe right. It gave well, a weird feel. and I wonder if this is a this is an area too where like Zack Snyder's sensibility is at odds with the material yeah. because like 
you know, you you think comic books are are more cartoony, over the top, dynamic, and film is more kind of restrained, realistic. Yeah. But the but it's in like this case, opposite. it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder is a very flashy kind of comic booky director, mm-hmm. and Dave Gibbons. Uh, in Watchmen takes a very, like I said, very controlled, mm-hmm. uh, very intelligent, very impeccably crafted, um, uh, but restrained approach. Yeah. So that when he depicts um, this incredible violence, it's all kind of plays at the same level. Yeah. Whereas, like, in the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie, you feel like it kind of looks like I'm watching a bright superhero movie, mm-hmm. and then you have these moments of, like you said, like a rape or, um, like, incredible just physical violence. Yeah. You're like, like, whoa, that's... Close-ups of people's, like, arms getting broken in half. It, right? it, yeah, it's kind of shocking and distracting that in a like, way you that... can't put that in a movie or anything, yeah. but it, it did... It was a weird fit for this movie. Yep, yep. It's, it's very tonally bizarre. Yeah. And then... It <laughs> And then it tried to, like, launch into, like, being serious, and then kind of mm-hmm. seemed like it, on the surface, kind of seemed a little silly. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, like, no way of getting around that. That's why I kind of like well, the that, aspect of, like, just is, showing the guys in costumes. That's also part of Watchmen. Yeah. Like, like Alan Moore, part of what he's saying there it's is, like, look at how work stupid in the real this world. Yeah. Look at how ridiculous yeah. these characters are, right? Like, that's, that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. The million-dollar question is, like, to what extent does Zack Snyder understand Yeah, that's Watchmen? what I was wondering. That is the million-dollar question to me. Because you asked me before we started this, do you think Zack Snyder is a fan of Watchmen? It's like, I think he clearly is, mm-hmm. whether whether he grew up loving Watchmen or whether he became a fan of Watchmen when this project came to him. But does he understand Watchmen? And... I, I had that question in mind when I was watching this movie, and I still don't know the answer to it. There, are I, scenes, I would give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he does. There are it. some <laughs> scenes in this movie where I was like, "Does he think this is actually cool, or does he understand that this is supposed to be?" Like, is that ironic? Making cool. fun, exactly <laughs> making fun of what other people think are yeah, cool. I don't know. It, it's it's very. It Judging from this movie and the ironic tone of the entire like piece, but here it is. You would think do, it fits, does it have an ironic tone? Is this an ironic movie? I feel like it is, but then if you look at his other movies, he <laughs> might be taking it completely seriously. I think he might be serious about it. Yeah, see, that is the, that. I know what Alan Moore's stance is. Well, because Zack Snyder's stuff works well when he's not involved with like the writing process and he it. wasn't <laughs> in this correct no, was, there were two screenwriters who adapted the, the right. gr- comic book yeah i just saw one of them was the guy that wrote x-men 2 oh. two credited screenwriters on there and one was that guy very good uh, but zack snyder good. was not involved but then when zack snyder gets involved in the writing i feel like maybe he's like a more of an idea guy where he can just throw out hey what if uh what if alfred fry flies the batwing uh-huh you know, like in his batman versus superman I feel yeah. like he could come up with good ideas, but he doesn't really have a firm grasp of the story, and you don't necessarily need that to be the director, I don't think, necessarily. Yeah. But he's not an intellectual, no, he's not. what I would say, but, which is not a, not a diss, necessarily. Yeah. You know? But it's interesting to see him adapt such a truly literary graphic novel. And that's, that's um, one thing I would say, and it might not be clear since you're asking me questions, I keep, like, Blanking out on every question you ask me about the graphic novel, but I have read it several times, and I do really like it. And watching this movie, unlike you, 
I kind of want more Watchmen, yeah. and, no, and what I me want to and what it. I want is to go back and read that because God, mm. it is really smart, really good, really well done, and and a lot of that is still on the screen. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else that really didn't work for you? <laughs> no, I don't want to say anymore that I didn't like. Um. Well, no, I, I'm I'm interested in it. So I, I think kinda feel like it's a lot of little things that put me off, but mainly mm. it's it feels like it's like overloaded. Yeah. That's pretty much overall. I think that's probably the worst thing I can say about it, is that from a certain perspective, it is a bit much. Um, you know, I kind of have this thing, though, when I when I sit down to watch, and I know you're not just talking about runtime, but, like, when I sit yes, down to, yeah. to watch a long movie, I kind of, like, put myself into kind of a certain mode. Like, I watched The Irishman uh, not too long okay, ago, yeah. and I was like, okay, it's like, Five hours, however long it is. But once I like kind of know that and like go into it that more, I can really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like the Infinity War movies, you know, it's like okay, these are long, and and you can kind of just enjoy that more meandering structure. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I kind of um, I kind of agree with you that it is a bit much. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, so there are movies that are like that, like The Irishman. We just don't usually see superhero movies like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that may have turned audiences off. Well, I feel like the stuff that made it longer was, like, the unnecessary stuff. Like, maybe let's have a longer fight scene in the middle. Yeah. And, like, okay, you can... And there's really not fight scenes in the comic book. Right, it's not... It's not a superhero movie. <laughs> that is another. That is another. That is another key to key point to this discussion. Watchmen is not a superhero movie. Right. I, it truly isn't. And there's so many. It's super, about superheroes. And there's so many superhero movies that say that. The, well, the Dark Knight trilogy is not really a superhero movie. They're crime movies, or like um, Ant Man is is a heist movie. It's not a superhero movie. These are all superhero movies. They all essentially follow that hero's journey structure, good versus evil. This is absolutely not that. Mm-hmm. It uses superheroes to tell a very strange, very nihilistic, very cynical kind of story. Yeah. Whether or not Zack Snyder understands that is a different question. Well, but big budget movies don't leave the audience like unclear as to how you should or feel uncomfortable about it. and that's or kind of the a whole hero. point exactly <laughs> it wants exactly. you to think about it more. exactly yeah who is the hero of this movie is it rorschach because rorschach it is a seems is a, like it might be. because rorschach is a monster yeah. you know rorschach is not to be admired mm-hmm. you know um but he doesn't compromise his moral values and beliefs and but in the end that's what costs him his well whatever his life his, yeah. his life <laughs> Um, but kind of back to my take on the movie, I um, I think I liked it quite a bit more than you did, and I think I, I like liked it. it. I think yeah, I think I like it quite a bit more than most people do. I basically think I don't want to say everything works, but a lot works. The music. And I gotta say, I didn't hate it all the way through. There were a few. I, I don't the I don't think it's necessarily bad music. I found it distracting the way it was used. Well, the the sequence that I am the most put off by and confused about in terms of how seriously is Zack Snyder taking this is uh, where um, Night Owl and Silk Spectre hook up after they rescue those people from the burning building. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was weird. The musical choices, the way it's filmed, everything is so bizarre, and I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Because in the comic, it is kind of supposed to be funny. Yeah. 
But I think I that's hard to miss in if you read the comic. If, from what I remember, because yeah. I, I read it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but there are specific things I remember about it, too. But I think that's kind of hard to miss when you're reading the comic. Like, those kind of things are hard not to so, pick up on. So I, do you think, think... Probably Zack Snyder knew what okay, he was doing, Because so, it seems silly. So, like, when, yeah, he's, yeah. when he's playing that, that song uh, when they're making love, that's supposed to be funny. I would assume so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, the, the, that, that's the puzzling thing about Watchmen to me. But a lot of the other music... Well, a lot of the dialogue is kind of... Right. supposed to be kind of funny in that yeah. part, too. A, a lot of the musical choices, though, I gotta say, I, I, they kind of work. You're, you're right there. They're on the nose. Um, that's a perfect way to describe it. But, yeah, I, I kind of... Zack Snyder's on the nose. Yeah, I kind of didn't, didn't hate them. Um... It's long, but like I say, I can appreciate that kind of more novelistic kind of meandering structure if I know I'm going into a long movie. I do agree there's a little much. It's a little much. Um, I think, like you said, the cast is great. It's a beautiful-looking movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this movie, more than many others, takes advantage of where we are right now with CGI and computer-generated imagery Mm -hmm. um, to manipulate very specific imagery on the screen. You know, mm-hmm. not to make big explosions or big monsters, although there's a few big explosions and big set pieces in this movie, but to, to manipulate to elements... To get, like, the blood to fall. To get a drop of blood to fall, to get a smiley face button to, to flip over in the air. Or and his hit. tear go down his scar. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, I like all that kind of stuff. And, of course, mm-hmm. that's all to mimic precisely um, Gibbon's very well thought through and very specific Mm. comic book panels. Um, But I thought it's one of the best examples of how you can use CGI for storytelling in a movie. So I really appreciated that about it. Um, And And especially with Dr. Manhattan, with the guy who can do anything. Right. He's pretty much just walking around, you know. Right. Dr. Manhattan does things, but just by, like, pointing at them. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. It's so, not, you know, he's, like, all-powerful. Yeah. They have a scene where he crushes a tank, but... Yeah. Oh, and that scene where he's, like, uh, in Vietnam. He's, like, coming uh-huh. out. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. But I know that's from the comic, too. Yeah. A lot A lot of it's in the, in the film comics. There's a few things that aren't from the comic, which I'll talk about, but... Well, the ending. Yeah, the ending most famously, yeah. But um, I think what really sells Watchmen for me is that... It is such a, in my opinion, it is such a great story. Mm -hmm. So, like, the original comic book is so smartly written, so clever, and this adaptation, which is basically kind of a shot for shot, um, except for the the ending and a few other things, um, is conveys that you know a lot that it's that story to the story survives. whether it knows it or not <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so it's like the story is so strong i think mm-hmm. and so interesting the mystery aspect of it i don't think alan moore is great at writing mysteries so like that aspect of it is not yeah. as good as some other elements but it's it's well, good can we spoil things oh yeah we're gonna uh, this the movie's 10 years old the comic book came out in the 80s so spoil so i remember when i first saw this movie i remember th- i had read the the right. comics beforehand, but I didn't know it super well. Um, and when he, he's revealed that the comedian is her father, I was—I remember in the theater thinking so, right? Like, like 
it didn't seem as big of a story important, right? Like, important to the story as I think it was supposed to at that point. Yeah, I I get it now, but it, it was like a weird payoff. It is kind of weird. Yeah, there are some some structural things like that because I, then they kind of just go, they just like look at each other and go, "All right, let's go finish the story. Let's right. go, let's go fight Ozymandias." It is kind of weird, so, and and part of that it might be just there's so much going on. Like if we had yeah. followed just that character and her mother then the revelation might have more import. But that's yeah. just one thing happening, given no more or less importance than anybody else. There's, there isn't really one central character in the movie. It's very much an ensemble in the true yeah. sense that's of that That's why I think like a show would term. better. Or, like, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I have that thought too. But I don't know. There's something I like about the kind of odd, meandering nature of this movie. And, and just the oddness in general of it, mm-hmm. I appreciate. Um so yeah, the story and and just the cleverness of the script is is what uh, really sells the movie for me. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else like I really love about it that I want to be sure to mention. Um, what did you not like? Nothing? There wasn't much. <laughs> I like I said, I agree with you that it's it's a bit long and meandering. Um, but yeah, the, other than that, it pretty much work. There's a couple of scenes where I'm like, I don't know what if this is working, what they're going for here. You know, where Zack Snyder just has to do his, um, you know, characters jumping up and then they're in slow motion and then they go really fast when they kick yeah. the guy. You know that Zack Snyder thing. You know, I'm like, does that need to be in... I feel like now it's, it's starting to look a little dated. Even for sure. It feels like it's still new. Oh yeah, I agree. Even from 2009. I agree. It feels like the style is yep, still... I agree. Like, oh, that's a movie from 2008. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Yep. Even some of the, the special effects where you say, like, I like that part, too, where it uses them, like, subtly. Um, but some of it looked a little wonky. Like, uh-huh. Some of it looked kind of really kind of cheesy. Like, what didn't look good to you? Because I, um, I had a couple, too. Uh, the stuff where he's on Mars, I didn't he, think that looked that great. Yeah. It looked like they're standing in front of yeah. the screen. And the some of the time. cityscapes didn't look good. Yeah, that's some, what some got of the background me. stuff outside like the windows. The jail when they went, the, any like overhead shots of like the buildings of the city. Some of those yeah, when little, they're flying overhead. But the CG, all CGI is going to aid. That's that's the right, downside right. of CGI is that's going to. But I think the subtle, the stuff that I really like, the more subtle stuff, like like you said, manipulating where a drop of blood falls, etc. Yeah. That stuff holds up incredibly well. That stuff really still works uh, very well. So yeah, I gotta say, I I my impression like years ago when I saw this, I liked it. Um, my impression now is, I still really like this movie. I think this is one of the better superhero movies. It's it's really interesting. But it's not superhero. Well, it isn't. Well, let's let's get into that. Let's get into why um, when this movie had such hype around it, did it not maybe connect to the uh, point that a lot of people thought it would? Like, why why didn't it kind of why didn't people embrace this movie more? Do you think? Like, what's your theory? Just too I don't know. weird. What, was, what else was going on in the culture in terms of comic <laughs> books at that time? Like, Iron Man would have come out just the year before. Yeah, so we were early early days of Marvel. So there Marvel was no Studios. like franchise thing yet. Yeah, I mean Marvel. I think Marvel was was building it. Well, they had like the very beginnings of it, yeah. but there has there was nothing you could really like point to as being like a franchise yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's more. And I, I don't know. It feels so mean to say like the fake fans. Okay. I feel like they, people were buying the graphic novels and t-shirts and everything because they're supposed to be into Watchmen, but no one really knew Watchmen. Mm -hmm. And then after you see it on the big screen, it's a lot to take in. 
Oh yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 like a real. It's not movie. like a date movie. No, I think that's how I. <laughs> right. But it, it, like, it's not the type of movie. It doesn't fit in with the other blockbusters. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like bad or it's it's it is a weird movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think once people got like, they got all hyped up for it, and then they sat in the theater with their popcorn and everything, waiting for this movie. And if they were expecting it to be like 300, which was Zack Snyder's stuff. Like, think of it. The fans of the Alan Moore fans who are, like, in their basement just reading over and over hey. 10 Alan Moore. No, I love <laughs> Alan Moore, too, but <laughs> I'm, I'm making broad generalizations because uh-huh. these guys are very broad. No, yeah. because <laughs> but think of them mixed with the Zack Snyder 300 fans. Mm-hmm. So I remember when 300 came out, I was like... I don't think it's necessarily a bad movie, but like I don't understand. Like right. just a bunch of big guys right. fighting each other. A lot of testosterone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was like a lot of people's favorite movie that year. Right. Like, really? This is what right. we're talking about now? Like, right. So I'm just trying to picture like those two people in one theater together. Mm-hmm. And then it's like there's nothing in it for e- either of them. Or mm-hmm. like, they're, like they wouldn't be able to like... It's not going to bring it's them together. It's too much Zack Snyder for the Alan Moore fans and too much yeah, Alan Moore like, for the Zack Snyder fans. <laughs> it's like ends up not pleasing anybody in the end. Like, I think you nailed it. Uh, th- that's my impression, too, because I thought about that watching this. Because, I, I, like I said, I genuinely like this movie. Well, because if you're an good. Alan Moore fan and you love the Watchmen story, this does do justice to the Watchmen right. story. Like, yeah. It does tell that story. Mm-hmm. Like, I um, No, I think you, you're 100% correct. I think it's that old thing of, like... Um, People always say, and I, when I say people, I'm talking about mainstream general audiences. This is when we start to sound like elitists, but constantly, like, we want something different. Show us something new. Show us something we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Don't give us the same old cliches. Well, here it is. Well, we don't want that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it was, as much as people... I think exactly as you said. People, when the hype started to get rolling on this, civilians, non-comic book people. Um, I just picture that type of guy going into the theater with a Watchmen shirt on right. and all the merchandise. Right. And then watch his face like slowly sink. Like, right. this is what this is? Yeah, like, it's like this is... Where's the explosion? Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> and, I'd say like Zack no, Snyder's fans I, are dumb. You're right. No, it's like... I like Zack Snyder. You know, you have these people it's like... It's a weird, weird well, mix. Well, what is this? Watchmen is like the greatest comic book ever. It's like the ultimate comic book. Yes. This is it. It's finally being adapted. Zack Snyder, hot director. This is going to be huge. It's like, here it is. It's like... But the truth is, Watchmen is a very... The reason Watchmen was a big deal in the world of comics is because it's very literary. It's very much like a literary yeah, It's not novel. an action movie. Not at all. There really is no action. Um, so it's like, well, here it is. Um, and they see that, and they're like, it's not that it's bad. It's not that they hate it. They just kind of don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Like, even though you, you say you want something new, I think your brain automatically has certain expectations and certain boxes you want to be checked off when you go see a big budget yeah. studio movie. And those boxes are checked by Marvel. Well, they you know always say I mean? that's the delicate balance of like how to create something new. It's right. like, it has to be like 49% stuff you know already and 51% new stuff or vice versa. And this 51% movie, new stuff. Right. And 49%. this movie, at least from the script, didn't give a fuck about that. They're just like, we are going to take the comic book panels for, from this so, supposedly greatest comic book ever, mm-hmm. ever seen and put them on the screen. And people, like you said, kind of fake fans, or at least new fans. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to have been a fan for life to have 
you know, it's fine to become a fan of something when you hear there's a movie. Right. But well, that's how I got into stuff. That that's one one crit- thing I I would say about it too, like. A lot of, like, like the story all makes sense in the movie of Watchmen, but a lot of the resonances aren't there when you take it out of the comic book medium. Because com- Watchmen is all about yeah, commenting yeah. on the history of comics, the tropes of comics. Yeah. The Watchmen characters are, are types, right? Um, they literally were originally supposed to be um, already existing superheroes that they ended up not using it for one reason or another. It is funny that you think about about it as working better in another medium because you think like this story like there are plenty of movies with real grounded stories about right. like like try to treat the subject matter seriously but this is more like for like a personal experience like yes sitting and reading something yes not sitting in a theater with 3D glasses on 100% with like the seat shape yep you know yep so and it's, it's odd. <laughs> it is odd. It's an, it's, it's they, a long way of saying this movie is weird. They probably shouldn't have made a Watchmen movie. Yeah, don't like. What do you think? Like the people at Warner Brothers were thinking when they were developing. I'll t- oh, I'll hundred percent. I'll tell you they what they were thinking. They just knew the name. Hundred percent. I'll tell you what they were thinking. These guys in suits is like, here's Watchmen. Here's an article from Rolling Stone the year Watchmen came out. Here's all these. Um, top ten list showing Watchmen, greatest, most acclaimed graphics. This is the hippest, coolest, Alan Moore, all kinds of, like, this is the coolest thing ever. Great. This is going to be our big budget franchise. They don't understand but then as why the ball, it works. As the ball starts rolling, though, they're not hiring big names. <laughs> right. Um, they've got a big director. Right. But as they get the dailies, they have to see, like... <laughs> Uh, seriously, Zach, another scene of a guy breaking another guy's arm? Like, <laughs> what is this movie about? I guess they, but he was riding high, and then they just or trusted him. He just him. completed all blind, and then just handed over to them. I, like, think they, the I think they trusted him. I think they trusted the material. Um, and uh, they, they maybe... They trusted the material without ever reading it. But there's no way they would have made oh. this into a movie if they, like... A studio head without like knowing exactly yeah. what this. Movie if they about. understood it, they would not have done it. But I don't yeah. think they understood it. But I'm glad they didn't because mm-hmm. ultimately, I really enjoy this film and I'm glad it exists. And I don't know what its legacy is going to end up being. Um, like like we said, now there's the show. Um, the characters are back and play in the comic books, mm-hmm. um, and this movie doesn't really get talked about one way or the other. Um, no. And uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of. Maybe it, it won't ever really find its audience. But you know, um, seeing as how it's kind of like a mixture of Alan Moore and Zack Snyder, maybe once Zack Snyder has a big hit again, uh-huh. maybe it'll kind of like be revisited. Like, oh, Zack Snyder was really on something. Watch yeah. yeah. Like, let's as, go back and revisit that one because now we can see that he actually is talented. Because I believe Zack Snyder is very talented. Oh, hundred percent, he's talented. <laughs> Absolutely, I just Zack keep Snyder wishing is he'll make a good movie. Yeah, yeah, he will. Release that Snyder Cut of Justice League. No, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that, though. But um, uh, real briefly, let's talk about the the few changes they made from the source material. Okay, you would know uh, this better than Well, me. at least let's talk about the ending, because everything else was really subtle. But there were a few uh, good little things in there, like um, the opening credit sequence, which I really loved, which they don't really do opening credit sequences anymore, when it showed all the like clips. The times they were changing. I just realized we did not summarize this movie. Or talk no. about what's about. It would take it's too long. To too late now. <laughs> it takes too long. I to totally just it. realized we did not describe or. What it's the like, have you seen about. The Incredibles? <laughs> it's like. Um, but but the yeah, op- superheroes are outlawed. Yeah, basically. but the opening credit sequence where they kind of have little flashes of um, 
the things that led up to the world being the way it is in, in the in the movie. Yep. Um, there are a couple just little things in there, like uh, when a silhouette who was like a lesbian uh, superhero, mm-hmm. when she uh, grabs oh, that famous photo. Yeah, when that's she, not from the comic. I don't think so. Oh, that's that's good though. Yeah, and and when the girl puts the little flower in the soldier's and gun, fire. and then he fires it, and then you, you don't see the girl shot, mm-hmm. which I don't know why, because this movie has like. You see that kind of stuff all over. Yeah, it's like, now you want to be but subtle. But it's good. Because, yeah, exactly. But you just see the gun fire, and then you see the flower petals yeah. fall down. It's like, that that kind of stuff, I, that was new, but very much in keeping. Like, Dave Gibbons could have come up with that. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and then the ending. This is one thing I, I have heard from people, and I kind of agree with, um, is that the ending is maybe better than the comic book ending. I thought it was, too, from yeah. what, the, what I remembered. Yeah, it at least was, I, I, for sure, smart to change it. That's one thing where, like, taking what happened in the comics and putting it on the screen wouldn't have worked. It would have been oh, yeah. too much. It yeah. would have been, whoa, where did that come from? That's too weird. Um, but I thought the way they tied this in with um, Dr. Manhattan, mm-hmm. them essentially framing Dr. Manhattan for the apocalyptic disaster, disaster that brings the world together mm-hmm. um, was really smart and that's not yeah. in the comic um, but I feel like that wouldn't offend Moore's sensibilities or Gibbons sensibilities yeah. I was like that's that's good it's that's... kind of doing the same thing but taking a different route to get there yeah yeah I remember so, I thought about it because I mean this is a little <laughs> off subject I was trying to make it make sense but I heard Tim Burton on the commentary of the original Batman movie mm-hmm. talking about how the fans were so upset that they made the Joker the one who actually killed Batman's parents. Right. And he said they wanted to do that because they wanted the the story to be more tightly knit. Right. Like, they wanted it to be its own yeah. little setup, payoff, right. within its own right. confined structure. Which is what you do when you adapt material into a film. Right. right? And you don't, like, leave it hanging, right. going off somewhere else. Right. So, I remember thinking that when I saw the end of Watchmen. I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, that's a good way of like tying it into the rest of right. the story without leaving it right. totally ambiguous. Yes, yeah. they kind of they don't leave it ambiguous in that. It's sense. morally ambiguous. Yes, they, they <laughs> leave the morals up to you. Very side, moral, which audiences do not like. <laughs> but I thought it was a good way of like tying it together. It was with it this, was with very the, smart with existing stuff that was already in the yeah, story. It wasn't a, like bringing the Deus Ex Machina right to in a movie it. that that really wanted to be a shot for shot kind of adaptation, don't change anything, put Gibbons yeah, panels on the screen. You, they, they must have had a real conversation about that. Maybe there's an alternate ending, a Snyder Cut. Maybe. But but I think they made the absolutely the right choice. what is the original ending? The original ending is so like the, a giant yeah, squid so, monster. So, yeah, right? so it's, it's essentially the same idea. So instead of like... But is it a real monster? I'll just let you explain. Yeah, I think it's... it's um The monster was never like alive. It's like this right. genetic creation... Basically, instead of, like, framing Dr. Manhattan and making it look as though Dr. Manhattan yeah. um, initiated the apocalypse disaster, they make monster. a fake alien invasion. Right. And there's little threads throughout the story that, like, oh, this science fiction author is missing, and, and these okay. geneticists are, are missing, or uh-huh. they're working on something. And at the end, that's Beat's plan to, like, create this, um, he teleports this 
uh, 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 giant like squid Lovecraftian star, uh, starfish fake thing. alien yeah. into Manhattan kills all these people. I always thought it looked like Starro. Yeah, from the yeah 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 <laughs> Justice and League. Probably some of that in there. Alan Moore's a big uh, Lovecraft fan, so so that it's a different fake disaster that brings right. the world together. See, it still does the same thing. Yeah, it uses the existing things that are already in the movie, yep. like the characters. Yep. So yeah, I so like, that was great. Too. Yeah, it's like I say, it's kind of like I I kind of. At least half think it's it's a better story in the movie, and it definitely was a better choice for a film because, like, to bring in an alien where, where at the end. Did they like, leave, what? Where did they leave Doctor Manhattan at the end of the comics? Do it's the same. It's the same. He, he goes just off. Gives up. He kind of well. I always read it in the film and as the the. I don't see. I don't read it as him giving up. See, this is why Watchmen's a good story. Well, I'm just deep, mean. This is a deep <laughs> film. Um, I just mean he leaves. He leaves. I think of it as he ascends. You know, okay. he kind of, um, he recognizes... Okay, he didn't give up, he ascended. <laughs> yeah, but I do. And it's the same, he has that line in the in the comic and in the movie where it's like, I, yeah, I I appreciate life, I understand life, I've, I've rediscovered my fondness for it, I think I'm going to go try and create some. And then he kind of goes off to godhood or wherever he's mm-hmm. going. Um, so it's the same. But he's not, in a sense, like, can the, the movie kind of forces him. I know it's kind of his decision, but that's true. He, he's framed. He would have to. That's he couldn't true. still exist in the world. That's or, true. Or he could exist, but that would create major problems. That's true. Having that. Kind that's of story. true. So, so maybe so that it gives him motivation to get out of the story. That's true. It gives and him an yeah, end. that's true. That's not in the. That's not in the. Um, but it almost kind of completes his arc a little bit mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah, I don't know. Good choice. Good choice at the ending. It's 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 the one moment of like true adaptation in the in the film. You know where mm-hmm. like. Um, and it's the best kind of adaptation. It's not literally from the, the Well, it's book. like you say, the stuff... The it's scene, in the spirit the of scene the scene of her kissing the girl, at right. recreating the old photo. I, if you told me that was in the comic, I would have believed it. Right. But it fits in perfectly yeah. well with it. So I think the screenwriters understood Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder may not have, but the screenwriters really <laughs> did. No, <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm, I'm serious about that. It, but. but like you said... I think him maybe not completely understanding it and definitely having a different artistic sensibility mm-hmm. is one of the things that makes this movie kind of interesting. Well, it's there's, almost there's like sort of a weird tension. Instead of like having Dave Gibbons do it, it's like having a different weird artist. It's do like it. a like, cover. Yeah, it's like have yeah, well, I mean, that is kind of a theme of the movie covers and songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like a different artist doing it. Like did, I, I don't even know how involved Dave Gibbons was with it. I have a feeling he was with the involved, movie? No, with the just the comic. Oh, very. Yeah, I have a feeling he was very involved with it. I don't really even know the history of that, but um, the the artist doesn't necessarily have to know what's in the mind of the writer right. to like get it right. I'm right. thinking just in terms of like comics. Right. So this is kind of the same thing. This is like the director has his take on what he thinks the story is. Does he have to understand every little nuance of it? No. You have the writers that can do that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel like that seems so mean to Zack Snyder, though. No, nah, you know, I don't think it's mean. I think you and I, I think we have a very fair take on Zack Snyder. You know, we both think he's talented. We both agree he's not I an think intellectual, in the future, and he may or may Zach not Snyder. understand Watchmen, but I think his level of understanding of Watchmen, the text, is not necessarily a factor in this movie being good or not. Right. You know, in fact, him not understanding it might kind yeah. of make the movie a little better in a weird way. That's what way. I mean. It's like having a little bit of a separation. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a weird kind of tension there. You know, um, yeah. that I think makes for a very odd film. Mm-hmm. Um, not a blockbuster, 
<laughs> it's hard to recommend it to people too because it's like, what do you, what, what kind of movies do you like? Like, well, this one is like those. I like, would recommend it to people like who say like they're they're down with superheroes, but they they want something different and they actually mean it. I, I would recommend it to those people. The person that's just like loves superhero movies, but is kind of fed up with superhero movies, be like, they can also be this. Well, and that's what Watchmen is. Watchmen is for the kid who's pretty much he grew up reading Marvel and DC, so he's going to understand what Watchmen's riffing on. Yeah. But he's ready to move on, right? Or she. And um, that's what Watchmen is written for. That Watchmen is written for that person, the person who's done with superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's kind of a. It is kind of a perfect final word on the genre so yeah uh really good movie cool i think <laughs> i um, got it in a set with uh constantine and what was the other one v for vendetta two other alan moore adaptations i didn't even realize there was an alan moore collection yeah i didn't know constantine was yep. his character yeah i knew v for vendetta was constantine i haven't seen v for vendetta i remember being okay i've seen both and i have re- very very vague memories of the ball <laughs> well so that's how i got this it was on a little collection of those three movies. Yeah. Well, I let. Um, well, I guess go, goes without saying for me. Um, I I recommend picking this up if you see it on a dive. Um, oh yeah, I like for it. Sure. I don't want to. You're like you were no, no, in no. love with it, and I hated it. I I, like, I do think I liked it a little bit more than you did, yeah. but we both are saying this is a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's definitely so, worth checking out. So again. check it out if you if you see it on a dive. Especially if you can get in a three-pack with two other movies. Which may or may not be good. <laughs> but, you know, what the, how much you probably pay five bucks yeah, for it? I think it was $10. Worth it. Yep. Easily worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let our, our conversation on this movie run very long. So it's okay if you don't have any... Um, I don't. <laughs> you don't have any behind-the-scenes, any tidbits or anything like that? Oh, in terms like of that. the making of yeah. this? No, not really. In our, our, our typical... Um, what do we call it? Beyond the, the deeper dive. The deeper dive. Um, well, okay, let's kind of skip that. This is a big mainstream movie. People can look up. Well, that the one thing I already pointed out was you said because I was trying to see like how successful. It was, oh, right. So I was kind of curious. And it was and moderately successful. It was successful if you look at just like the final like numbers Number. that it created, mm-hmm. but it costs a lot yeah. to make this movie, and it, it looks like it. It yeah. looks like an expensive movie. Yeah, so a bit, a bit, it was a bit of a disappointment, especially given so, all the hype. Yeah, it made it made more money than it costs, but not enough. Not by much. Yeah. And then also, it was like you were talking about how like, the fandom dropped off right away, or like right, it, right after they saw That's what it seemed like. It just and, evaporated. And when you said that, I was reading that exact same thing that said, like, the opening weekend it exploded. It had midnight releases, and, like, it was the biggest Alan Moore yep. adaptation release. Yep. And then the next weekend it dropped off by whatever the number was, like 60% or something. Right. It's like people got, it got their butts in the theaters, sure. but then it didn't quite pay off on yep. what they thought it was going to be, so people kind of gave up on it. That completely makes sense to me. So. That's it. That's all. I That's enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, ooh, I feel like we talked a lot about Watchmen, uh, but we should. I thought you were going to say Beyond the Dive because I don't have a lot of Beyond the Dive. Yeah, let's jump into our uh, Beyond the Dive segment. So we're gonna we're gonna put Watchmen to bed with uh, a recommendation from both Jordan and I. Um, and hey, read the graphic novel. We're at it. Maybe watch that HBO show, <laughs> which neither of us have seen, and Maybe. let us let us know how it is. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's uh, do a hard turn here into our uh, Beyond the Dive and talk about anything else we want to talk about. So anything else we've been reading, watching, looking forward to. Do you have anything for this one? Or 
Uh, I have one okay. that I, I think that you can talk about, yeah. too, is the, I want to talk about Knives Out. Cool. Because I think that's probably the best movie that I've seen in a long time. Very good movie. God, <laughs> I had fun so watching that movie. It, it works so well. Uh -huh. And it didn't win the best original screenplay. No, right. Yeah, Ryan. So this is Ryan Johnson's yes. new um and you were a Ryan Johnson Mystery. guy before I was, too, because you saw Brick years yeah. and years before I saw mm -hmm. Brick. Great movie. Um, a yeah. worthy a worthy topic for a, a dumpster dive episode. Brick? Brick, potentially. Yeah, I thought yeah. about that, too, mm -hmm. actually. But that already, already has kind of a cult status. Sure, but that's okay. To lift it up. Um, yeah, see nice. <laughs> yeah. No, there. I, I kind of agree with you. It's, it's kind of almost... The I movie. mean, I definitely wouldn't want to spoil it. So right, it. and, and the movie almost works so well that it's like you kind of can't say too much about mm -hmm. it. It's just really good. It's yeah. just a. F it reminded me what a fun genre that can be. The, mm -hmm. the mystery movie, um, and per just like a, perfectly cast, a great cast, which they're phenomenal. Amazing. <laughs> right, uh, great screenplay. Um, yeah, I loved it. So that's it. The only other thing I have to say about Knives Out because we saw this together. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, just before we went to the movie, I saw a headline that said, like, the studio is eyeing, or maybe it's already oh, greenlit, a sequel. And my first reaction is, I was like, ah, just, not everything has to be a franchise. Do it. But then after having seen the movie, I was like, bring it on. You know, mm -hmm. take the Daniel Craig character, put him in a completely new environment, and do a whole series of movies with, with those sharp scripts. Ryan Johnson must always direct. Um, and just give a brand new cast every Hell time. yeah, I'll see another one. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, well, I'm and not... Then in 20 years, we'll do a Last Jedi dumpster dive. Oh. When they finally dig that one out of the dumpster and realize that it was better than the one. Yes. Time. That would be an interesting one to discuss. Uh, I thought about Jedi. that, but it's very... It's new. So. We have to wait... <laughs> I think we have to wait a little while. That's what I'm saying. In and 20 do, years... And then do a... Po maybe not 20 years, but I think we have to wait, like, at least a year... And and we need to do like a post mortem on the Disney Star Wars trilogy because there's a lot to say, yeah. Some and a lot a lot good to say, and some not good to say. But that's a discussion for a later date. But the takeaway: follow Ryan Johnson. Ooh, but uh, that gives me a little bit of a segue because I'm going to kind of talk about okay, Star that's Wars. All I I'm going to kind of talk about Star I just Wars. Just wanted to mention it. Um, all right, so I'm not going to try to go too long on this because I know uh, we talked a lot about Watchmen, but. I wanted to mention The Mandalorian. So Which this I also is, haven't seen. Yeah, this is the new Star Wars television show that had launched a thousand Baby Yoda memes um, that premiered on Disney Plus not too long ago. I really liked the show a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I would stop short of saying it's a great show, but it's a very good show. But I didn't just want to review The Mandalorian, because so many people have talked about The Mandalorian yeah, already. some way to tie it into Star Trek. I did. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I am a, historically more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. I'm definitely more Star Wars than Star Trek, but I like Star Trek, too. Yeah, and that's how I think that's how most people are. You know, there's kind of this sort supposed rivalry between Star Trek yeah, fans and Star Wars yeah. fans, but almost everybody I know who likes one of them likes the other. But everyone has a preference. I like Harrison Ford and William Shatner. I'm I'm a Star Trek guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a big. You would have called me a Trekkie. Yeah. Um, Doctor Manhattan was giving me some data vibes too. Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah. See, we can say more about Billy Crow's performance, but <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. anyway, he was so great in that. Yeah. Um, but so I wanted to talk about the Mandalorian in comparison 
to the current Star Trek television series, which are airing on CBS All Access. Discovery or Picard or both? We'll talk about both. Um, I, it's going to be hard of, for me to talk about. I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, so you just listen. <laughs> I kind of had di- my I kind of had Discovery more in mind uh, when I when okay. I was thinking about this, but I've since seen the first four episodes of Picard, um, which I like, um, and I like Discovery too. So I don't want this to come off as like Star Trek doesn't know what they're doing. CBS is not handling the franchise well, but I did come up with the title: What Star Trek Can Learn from the Mandalorian. Oh, there's a hook. Stay tuned next week. <laughs> because there, there is a lot that I saw in The Mandalorian that was refreshing that I wish I had seen in the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. Um, so I made some bullet points here. I'm going to go through these real quick. I'm not going to go on and on about this. Okay. Um, first thing I wrote, less plot, more atmosphere. Um, Star Trek Discovery is so stuffed with story um and it goes by at such a rapid pace is it because they keep trying to set stuff up that'll pay off later make it a big franchise thing i don't know what it is i i think part of it is just the way television has connected to the lore i i I think i think part of it has is has to do with just how television has evolved versus my expectations of Star Trek. Because I, I love the old shows, you know, yeah. st- the original series, The Next Generation. Because I think of those ones as good sci-fi plots. Yes. <laughs> they're good plots, but the pacing, they're, the plot, like, a plot for an episode of The Next Generation would be like, there is a new um, little helper droid that we've invented. Um, and Baby Data. We've come to suspect that these, these little non-humanoid things may be sentient let's spend a whole episode testing if that's the case grappling with the philosophical you know meanings. that's a nice little done in one episode um that would be like two minutes not even two minutes like a minute of rapid fire technobabble dialogue in an episode of star trek discovery have there been tribbles there have been tribbles there's been everything, um, but that's that's a later point. Actually, so too much. That's a later point. Less plot, more atmosphere. Contrast that with the Mandalorian, which are very simple stories, very very slowly to- told, more like the pacing of the original Star Trek series. Um, so less plot, more atmosphere. Are the Mandalorians more self-contained, or is it one long story? Well, let me describe that in my next bullet point. Okay. Episodic is not the enemy. Do you like how I kind of wrote these out? It's like, this should be an article. Sure. I'd um, appreciate it more if I'd seen any of what you're talking about. <laughs> so the Mandalorian, for the most part, is episodic. Each episode is a complete, in and of itself, standalone story. Of course there's a continuity going through yeah. there. But each story is a specific adventure with a beginning, middle, and end. Just like Star Trek was for years and years and years. And Just like the Star Wars movies are, right? in terms of how they fit into their... Um, the only uh, uh, time Mandalorian breaks that is the last two episodes. It's like a two-parter. No problem. Okay. Um, and they're short? They're half hour. Um, the new Star Trek is not like that. Uh, both Discovery and Picard are continuing narratives, like most television is now. Right. That's not a bad thing either, but... I want to remind Star Trek that, like, that episodic storytelling 
can be really powerful and really appealing. You and I have talked about this in regards to Star Trek, the original series, how each episode is kind of like a little mini movie. Mm-hmm. Really well written, really, really satisfying, easily digestible. Um, doesn't ha- There doesn't always have to be a soap opera. There doesn't always have to be a season-long mystery. No. That's At least what, I don't the, think there does. That's the one thing that I got... Because I've seen all the old original series, which I love that old original series. Right. Just the three seasons. And maybe, like a few years ago, I started just rewatching it every day when I came home from work. There'd just be an episode on. And I just kept getting like really sucked into them. Mm-hmm. And I saw... <laughs> Like, there'd be an episode where, whatever, there's, like, two Captain Kirks right. or something. And I'd be like, how the fuck can they get out of this? Right. Like, there's no way out of it. And they logically kind right. of work away right. so the story ends within right. whatever it was, like, 40 and, minutes? Yeah, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever. And, like, every one of them was like that. Right. It reminded me of when I, like, I rewatched all the little Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. Like, every episode was a little And you really story. admire the storytelling. Yeah. Because they have to wrap it up. It's not yeah. going to be like, well, there's two Kirks and that's going to be the arc for the next three or four four yep. episodes of the rest of the season. Like, no, that's going to be done. And, and we it's got, not like movie. We, it's crazy as things get. we got to put everything back where we found it by the end of the episode because yep. we don't know what order these episodes are going to air in. Now, a lot of people see that as like a negative of older television and yeah. a strength of I think of people think of like sitcoms like that where it's just like yeah, well, joke, 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 joke. I, I think that is true that it's like there, there is a, there can be a freedom that comes without having that restraint, but a lot of creativity comes from restraint and, and limits. But and it, also, it also doesn't need to be those specific constraints either. It could honestly just be like the length of it. Because even like a movie that's, a movie could be an hour and a half, could be two hours, could be like Watchmen, which was like, what, seven hours? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like even just the simple fact that it's, how long were those old Star Trek ones? Like 40 minutes? Let's maybe, say or? 50 minutes, because I mean, the show ran an hour with commercials. But they were all pretty much exactly the same, right. and they had to kind of like follow that same yes. thing. Here's the first commercial break, here's the right. second one, but it was like, it still fit into a right. story. and. It didn't take you out of right. it. But, but I mean, the reason it had that structure was, was because of commercials, because of advertisers. Yeah. The reason it was episodic was because of syndication, was because of we don't know what episodes are in there. But within those restraints, and in some cases because of those restraints, you got some really powerful storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think when you take off all those breaks, which TV is now, now there's, we don't have those rules, mm-hmm. it's not always to the benefit of the show. Um, and I think Mandalorian shows how great episodic storytelling can be. So, episodic is not the enemy. I have three more points. I'm going to try to go really quick. Continuity as an enhancement, not a crutch. Here's your tribbles. Is this a thesis? <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap it up, I promise. Continuity as an enhancement, not a crutch. Um, so... Star Trek Discovery Season 2 was the worst offender here in that they really leaned on, here's Spock, here's Pike, here's a reference to something that you know. And they just went so hard on it. Uh, the Mandalorian is set in the Star Wars universe, so if you're familiar with it, you're going to kind of get little things. Of course, there's a baby Yoda, but it doesn't rely on it at all. They don't feel the need to, to say, like, oh, yeah, when I was on this planet, I met some guy named Luke, and he was on an yeah, adventure. In the to background. Like, very much in the background. Set in a world we know, but very much its own thing. That's what Star Trek needs to do. My next point, no spoilers. One of the most brilliant things to come out of pop culture in the past year was Baby Yoda. People love Baby Yoda. It was a huge hit. It was a surprise at the end of that first Mandalorian episode. Um, Now, people might be sick of Baby Yoda by now, but you can't deny that was a brilliant um, idea for that character, 
and brilliant to have it be a surprise at the end of the episode. Because if they had advertised Baby Yoda, people would have been sick of Baby Yoda before the show even aired, right? Mm -hmm. Contrast that with Star Wars in a recent episode of Picard. Star Trek. Star Trek. Um, in a recent episode of Picard, they brought in a character from another Star Trek series at the end of an episode. But we knew that character was going to be in it. We've known for months that character is going to be in it. There was a lot of that in Discovery, too. So hold back a little bit on that kind of stuff. You know, respect the art of storytelling. Um, don't be so desperate to get viewers that you give everything away in the advertising. Um at the end, I just said, uh, trust your story, respect your audience. I think that just kind of sums up everything that Mandalorian does. And the new Star Trek shows don't always do. <laughs> I think there's a, I kind of sense a lot of um, kind of desperation on CBS All Access's part. Because kind of all they have is Star Trek, mm -hmm. you know, which I think has been pretty successful for them. But... Um, you know, that's not really enough to maintain a whole streaming service when people have 8,000 other streaming services vying for their attention and money. Yeah. You know, Disney's got a lot going for it. Um, but I... They'll buy Star Trek. Maybe. I think Star Trek should hire Jon Favreau. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot Mandalorian gets right. Hire Zack Snyder. Yeah, probably. So the one of the best and worst things about what what CBS is doing with Star Trek right now is that um, they're going to have multiple, of course, Star Trek shows going at one time, which is kind of annoying, right? Because like everything needs to be this multi pronged franchise. But the good part of that is that maybe that gives them room to experiment a little bit. Maybe they can have their big action show, they can have their soap opera show, but then they can also have a show that is maybe shorter, standalone, episodic episodes. More in spirit of classic Star Trek, more like The Mandalorian. In Mandalorian's better. In conclusion, Mandalorian is a little bit better than Star Trek, but I am pulling for Star Trek because TV is Star Trek's turf. And Star Wars is supposed to be movies, right? Get them into the movies let Star Trek have TV. All right, that's it. Live long and prosper. All right. I'm sorry. You you checked out about halfway <laughs> through that. Well, I just, I've never seen any of this I know. stuff, so I have no idea. Yeah. I can't compare. Yeah. Well, you should watch The Mandalorian. I, I will get around you to The Mandalorian. You've got Disney Plus, and all you've been watching is <laughs> bad Marvel cartoons. That is the one <laughs> thing that they have. <laughs> they have, like, all the junk that that's Marvel like all you watch on it so far. <laughs> Oh man! Oh. All right. Well, I killed this episode with that. I thought that would be. I thought that would be a good idea, but maybe that didn't work so well. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's all we've got this time out. Um, was this our first superhero movie? No, I don't think so. I'm trying to think what maybe. else we did. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I have a real tough time remembering what we talked about on the podcast and what we just talked I about. I feel like it's not. Oh no, Daredevil. Oh yeah, Daredevil. we did Daredevil. Well, I'm going to go uh, out on a limb better than say Watchmen is better than Daredevil. No, I really enjoyed watching this tonight. Well, I, let me break down why <laughs> Daredevil is better than... What, what Daredevil can learn from Watchmen, though. <laughs> now, nobody can really learn anything from Watchmen. It's, it's such an oddball thing, 
But that's why I like it. All they should learn is that just go back and read the original stuff. You can like the movie and go read the original one. Like, there you go. Go read the original Alan Moore story. It's good. It's really good. Very good. I'm I'm probably gonna reread it now after <laughs> having watched the movie. It really Where is it on the it's, show? It's, it's, it's behind. It's almost directly behind me. Is all my Alan Moore stuff mm-hmm. actually here in a dumpster dive HQ? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, I'm gonna go read Watchmen. Um, Jordan's gonna go watch a crappy. Uh, Fantastic Marvel right. cartoons on Disney Plus, and, and, and not watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem when everybody's there's no more room on the bandwagon. I'll I wait, hear you. I'll wait till a few people jump off, and then I'll hitch a ride later. Hey man, that's how we roll here at the Dumpster Dive, and I I have a feeling a lot of our audience is the same way. So uh, we'll be back to talk to you guys uh, about uh, some weird movie soon. Um, until then, um, keep diving and live long and prosper, and keep listening. See you guys later. Bye-bye.